This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. The view from a house can make all the difference for a property. In a similar way, the right view of life can make all the difference in your marriage. Today's lesson is entitled, How You Can Enjoy the View from Your Marriage. To follow along with the show notes and enjoy additional content, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash view. necessary when you're fixing up a house to maybe add some windows to make the view better or put in glass doors so you can see maybe there's a lake near the property so you might want to have a nice view of the lake or maybe you should have to add the view like maybe there's really not a view there but you can add landscaping and make there be a view you could add some trees and some shrubs and maybe even a really nice water feature. So when you look out your window, you see a nice water feature there. And it makes a view that's something that you look at from your house. And recently on our family vacation, and this one's already figured out, that's where it came from. Recently on our family vacation in the Blue Ridge Mountains, we had a cabin with an absolutely gorgeous view. In fact, we had to go up the side of this mountain and my van barely made it up the hill. It was such a steep grade and we got to the top. And you can see in the mornings, especially this beautiful view of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And once I get the website fixed, I'm a little bit behind, but once I get the show notes up, I'll have a picture there that my wife took, a beautiful picture from uh, the view of where our cabin was. And you can see that and see what I'm talking about. But it was a beautiful view of, of outside our cabin. And your, house, your marriage can be that way. You can have a beautiful view of your marriage. It's also important to create this kind of a view in your marriage. It may take some effort on your part. You may have to make some changes to enhance the view. You may have to make some things there to make it uh, something that you can view, to have that view that you need. Today we're going to look at how you can enjoy the view from your marriage. And as a disclaimer, I don't say this, because I think we all know this, but I come from the point of view in as far as the marriage, the modern marriage debate, I come from the point of view of the Bible, and the Bible is really plain that it's when marriage is talked about, it's talked about one man married to one woman. It's really clear in Scripture. So just as a disclaimer, I don't always say that, but I can see how someone would misinterpret what's being said. But that's where I come from. I come from the point of view of the Bible, and that's what the Bible teaches. Really plain. I'm not, I don't take the time to turn there, or every time I reference somebody, it's something, I don't put a disclaimer there all the time, but that's what I'm talking about, and that's what I mean by marriage, one man and one woman for life. But how you, how you can enjoy the view from your marriage, number one, understand that all things are a matter of perspective. Our cabin was high up, and I told you it was on a steep grade when you, when you go down there, but you could look, when you went up to the cabin, you could go up on the back of, of, the, of the porch there, you could go on the back of the forget the word I'm looking for, the patio on the back or whatever, the deck. There was a deck on the back and you could walk out and you could look at this beautiful view. But you could also look down and you could see things that were were way off in the distance. In fact, you could see the entrance to where we stayed at. which is, The cars just looked tiny. I mean, they looked like little bitty matchbox cars. There was even heavy equipment down there. I mean, big heavy equipment, big dump trucks. And it looked like you just take your finger and just thump them. They're just tiny little things from that perspective. 
You can even see in the distance, you can see a, a small motel. I mean, a, a big motel, but it was small. I mean, it looked like a tiny little, tiny little uh, toy that my kids might have or something. It's because of that perspective that I had. It was way up on top of the mountain and you look down, you have a different perspective than maybe you would normally have. Or maybe everything looks, looks minuscule compared to what it was when you're driving and you're driving up to the cabin. All you really see is what's right in front of you. When you're up on top of that mountain and you're there and you look down, you have a totally different perspective. But all things are a matter of perspective in life and marriage. They're similar when you all about how you look at things. It's how about the perspective perspective that you have on your marriage you can discover different perspectives for what you're going through in your life this can help you better understand what's what you're going through imagine your life from God's perspective listen to this in Psalm 33 verse 13 the Lord looketh from heaven he beholdeth all the sons of men from the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of earth God is in heaven and he has a totally different perspective than than we do just like as I look down from the cabin and we look down and we saw how little and tiny everything was it's a totally different perspective when you're up there everything looks totally different and God has a unique he has a different perspective than we do in Isaiah chapter 46 listen to this I'll read it to you remember the former things of old I am God there is none else I am God there is none like me Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. He sees the end from the beginning. God has a different perspective. When he looks down, he sees things differently than we do in our life. He has a perspective that's different than us. He sees the end from the beginning. From his perspective, he can not only see what's right in front of, like we just see what's right in front of us. He sees the whole picture. He sees everything. He can see what's going on, and therefore we're able to trust him. My daughter, Aubrey, she went up to the cabin, and she enjoyed standing out on the balcony, and she enjoyed seeing who was coming, and she she knew she would call. Grandpa's on his way. They're coming back from the store, and she would watch and wait to see if she could see them pull in and she would watch them pull in. But from her perspective, she could see the whole road. She could see what was coming around the curve where they couldn't. That's the perspective that God has. He has a different perspective on life that we we do. You know, today we're bombarded with influences, aren't we? But he is the best influence you can have on your marriage is have God influence your marriage because he sees things from a different light. He sees things from a different perspective. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees what we can't see. And therefore, we're able to trust him. And when you have a deeper, having a deeper love and relationship with him deepens the love that you can have for your spouse. Because it's a constant that you can have, this relationship that you have with the Lord. When all the blame is passed around and all the finger pointing is done, the problems in your marriage are really about you not having a right relationship with God. I mean, it all boils down. And we can try to blame one another Blame each other for our faults and our failures. But the truth is, the failure, the fault is in my, my walk with God. I failed in that area, and that is why my marriage isn't what it should be. That's the real problem. The following is a suggestion, a challenge you can take this week. This is a challenge that you can do together as a couple, or you can do it alone if your spouse is unavailable or unwilling or whatever the case may be. But this is based on principles of love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4. 
Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So the challenge is that you take these principles from these verses. In each day you pray either with your spouse or for your spouse. It'd be better if you could pray together so it's a seven-day challenge. So on day one, you would pray for long-suffering, that you would be long-suffering with one another. And sometimes it's sometimes hard to pray with your spouse, isn't it? Because when you're angry or upset, it's like you're wanting to preach to them. If you ever listen to much preaching, a preacher will at the end, and it's time to pray, and it's time to, to sum everything up and just pray to God. All of a sudden, he's preaching from the prayer that is it's like bootleg preaching at the end of the sermon. And sometimes we try to do that with our spouse. Even though you pray for long suffering, it turns into pray, Lord, help my spouse who really, really, really needs to be long suffering. Because if they learn to be long suffering like they're supposed to do, he wouldn't leave the stuff out on the counter anymore. He would stop doing the things that he does. No, that's not what you do when you pray together as a couple. When you pray together for long suffering, you're praying for yourself and you're praying that God would help you both to be long suffering. That's the way it's supposed to work. Day one, you pray for long suffering, pray for long suffering. Day two, you would pray for kindness. So you would take day two is the day that you pray together for kindness. You would pray for each other or pray with one another, however it works out, however your situation is. Day three. Pray for generosity, that you would be generous to your spouse. You would be giving to your spouse. Day four, you would pray for humility. Pray for humility. Day five, pray for selflessness. Not selfishness, selflessness. Day six, pray for calmness. Pray for calmness. And day seven is pray for honesty. So if you'll look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you can see as you go through and you pray for these things, you can see how they correlate with God's description of what charity or love should be. And this is something that should be in your marriage. And if you'll pray about these things together, God can help teach you how to have the characteristics of love that you should have in your marriage with your spouse. But look out the windows of your marriage and enjoy the view from God's perspective. So look out the windows of your marriage and have a view of God's perspective. This was what God wants in my life. This is what God wants for my marriage. To see your marriage from your spouse's perspective. Not only to see your marriage and your life from God's perspective, but how about this? To see your marriage and your life from your spouse's perspective. To think they have a point of view too, right? There are two sides to every coin. And loving each other is about seeing both sides of that coin and think about how you feel about your marriage and the things going on in your marriage. And then stop and think about how your spouse may be feeling about your marriage. To think that they might have feelings about your, your marriage as well. But there's two sides to every coin. And there's two sides to the marriage coin. There's two sides to the marriage covenant. That's the way you feel and the way your spouse feels. And maybe you just stop to think about how your spouse feels about the condition that your marriage is in. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in self-pity and loathing that we completely forget that marriage is about this amazing partnership that you have with each other. You get so wrapped up in how you feel. It's about how your spouse feels. It's about 
how you make your spouse feel in marriage. Two lives becoming one means that one life gets lost in the other life. And it's kind of hard to do when all you're thinking about is yourself and how you feel and how you feel about how your marriage means. Real love means that you become so engrossed in meeting the needs of the other that you forget about your own needs. You're so concerned with meeting your spouse's needs that all of a sudden yours don't become that important anymore. They lose their relevance. What makes marriage successful? What is it that makes marriage successful? When we think about how negative all the statistics are for people staying together and staying married, it's just like just staying together seems like a positive thing, right? It seems like a step in the right direction if you just stay together with all the, the negative things that are out there. But the real, me- real measurement of success in marriage is two people who stay passionately lo- in love until death separates them. Two people who stay passionate, that is a successful marriage. When you see two people and they've grown old together and they've loved each other their whole life and they're passionate and the only thing that can separate that is death. That's the measurement of having a successful love. The modern woman today leaves her man because she just doesn't need him. Back in the day, the man worked and the woman, he took care of his wife at home and now Women have careers just like men. We want to be equal. We want to be the same. And so they have careers and they don't, I don't need my man anymore. I don't need this needy man in my life anymore. And so it's real easy now for just the modern woman to just say, hey, I don't need, I don't need this anymore. She can have her own career and ambition without the, the nuisance of a needy man in her life. The modern man leaves a woman because he has a right to be happy. We, have a, we, don't, we don't have to be unhappy in life. I have a right to be happy so I can leave this woman that I have. That is the mindset of this world we're living in. That is the way people think today. What makes a marriage successful? The mar- a successful marriage is a godly couple that stays together because they've made themselves completely vulnerable and dependent on each other. It's a love that gives instead of a love that gets. So create some new views in your marriage by putting up some large windows so you can see your life from your spouse's point of view. It's not all about you. It's not all about how you feel. It's how your spouse feels that makes your marriage special. It's about doing giving instead of it's about giving instead of getting in marriage. Number two, accept that marriage is a journey through life. Building a great marriage requires you to constantly add things to the land, like you would landscape a, a property so you can have a better view. And over time, maybe you need to change things. Maybe you need to update things. Maybe you need to add things. Marriage is the same way. Sometimes you have to update. Sometimes you have to change. Sometimes you have to adapt to changes in your life and in your marriage. You are not the same person that you were on your wedding day. If you don't believe me, get your, your wedding album out. Get the photo album out. And look at your pictures. Take a long look at your pictures when, you, when you're on your wedding day. And then go look in the mirror. I guarantee you, you're not the same size. You're not the same shape as you were then. You are different. You have changed. It's because life changes us. Things happen. We change. It's just an, that's just an obvious example of over time. Things change. And we have to learn to adapt to those changes in our life and in our marriage. And 
Being married is not an event or some kind of state of being, but it's a life journey with lots of twists and turns and unexpected or abrupt changes. Marriage is a journey that we go through. Simply put, marriage is like going through seasons of life. You go through one season of life and then through another season and then another season. Things are constantly changing in marriage. We have to learn to adapt in those seasons when our love is really tested. That's when our love is made strong. It's when those changes happen, when things are changing, when we're going into a new season of life together. That's when love is really tested. That's when love is really made deeper. Love should be the constant thing in your life. Love should be the constant. The one thing that should be constant throughout all the changes and all the scenes of life is the love that you have for one another. In loving and seeking to please one another throughout the changes of life, you build a marriage that can weather any storm you face. And you know, there's, there's irony in the fact that a lot of times hardship makes people, makes marriages fall apart. There's irony in that. For instance, your finances are falling apart. So all of a sudden now you're arguing and fighting. It's like your marriage now is falling apart. It shouldn't be that way. I remember when, when we were first married, when my wife and I first got married and we were on our honeymoon, money did not matter. Food didn't even matter. I mean, if we had to eat beans out of a can, it was okay. We had each other. We had love. I mean, if we could have made money by being in love, we would have been rich because we loved each other. But as time changes and things happen in life, external things start to make your marriage fall apart. And it shouldn't be that way. You still have each other. If things are tight, it's okay. Because guess what? You still have something super valuable. You have each other, not beans. You have each other. And if you had to eat beans, if that's all you had to eat was beans, if you had each other, it'd be okay. Because you have something valuable in the love that you have for one another. It's so valuable. You know how many people wish there are billionaires that wish they had a happy marriage? Our president's been married, I don't know how many times. He keeps, he's, his history's been remarried. He's, he's a multi-billionaire or whatever. If he could buy what you have, he would buy it. But he can't. You have something valuable when you have each other. And that's something to understand. It's important to remember just how valuable and important your love is. As everything falls apart, you still have each other. The reason you tied the knot in the beginning was because you loved each other. Not because you had money, not because you had all these external things, but because you wanted to be with each other. And you tied that knot. You said, what what do we say? Through better or for worse. I love you. Commitment for better or for worse. Your commitment is what makes the marriage covenant so unique. Your commitment is what makes the marriage covenant unique. What makes marriage so special is that you have this Incredible commitment for one another. When you stood before God and you held hands and you said your vows, it was the start of a commitment to love each other for a lifetime. Through all the ups and downs and the seasons and the changes of life, and there are plenty of them, you made that commitment before each other and before God. This is the part of marriage that so vividly identifies with the gospel. You have a love that stays faithful even if your spouse is not faithful. You have a love that stays faithful and constant, 
even when your spouse is not loving like they should. That's the illustration of the gospel. Because even when Christ is not accepted, even when he's not appreciated, he still loves, doesn't he? This means that you stay together even when it's not convenient to do so. Throughout the journey of marriage and all its changes to stay faithful in your commitment draws an unmistakable picture of Christ's commitment of redemption to us. Every day you make choices to love your spouse and it's the power in that choice that makes the love real. Every day you make that decision, I'm going to love my spouse. And through that decision, through that choice that you make, it makes love real in your life. When, you, when your wife loses the Barbie figure, you choose to love her. When your husband forgets how to be romantic, you choose to love them anyway. You find the joy in loving in a selfless way, just like guess who does to us. Just like God loves us, even when we're not very lovely. Believe in each other. One of the most amazing things about being a Christian is experiencing the faith that Jesus has in you. God believes in me so much that he has his unmistakable commitment in me. In one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, God illustrates it this way. What shall we, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what shall we say to these things? Listen, if God be for us, who can be against us? You read that right. I said it right. You heard me right. God is for you. God is for me. And God is unwavering in his commitment to you. It's not just some abstract thought that God has of you. God is really for you. God really believes in you. He set his commitment. He set up his commitment on your behalf. It's a powerful and life-changing principle that the gospel was planned before the world was ever in existence. Before there were planets, before there were the moon and the stars, God had a gospel plan in place that was for, guess who? You. It's a personal thing. The gospel is something very personal. And God believes in you and God believes in me. You can change your marriage by believing in your spouse despite all their faults and failures. Newsflash, you have faults and failures too. Marriage, you ask your spouse to believe in you despite all your faults and failures. There's this incredible power of believing in your spouse. It just takes, sometimes it just takes someone believing in you to make you want to be better, to make you want to be something else. The fact that my wife believes in me makes me want to be a better person, makes me want to be a better husband, makes me want to be a better Christian. Believe in your spouse. Thirdly, recognize the power of decisions. When fixing up a house and adding all those windows or a glass door or changing the landscape or somehow changing the view from your house, you can also make decisions and change the views of your marriage, but it requires you to make choices. I'm going to make a choice in this house that I have to make some changes. When I look out my back window, there's nothing there but bare dirt. So I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to go get grass seed. I want to make it nice and pretty out there. So when I look outside, 
I want to see something beautiful. So same choices that we make in marriage. It may be small choices that you make every day, but they make a huge difference over a lifetime of being together. The little choices that we make every day, the power that's in the decisions that we make. Enjoy the moments. Make the decision to live each day with your spouse in the moments of marriage. Live in the moment that you're in right now. Because that moment will soon be gone and you can't get it back. You know, when you rob yourself of your moments by arguing or sulking or neglect, you just rob yourself of a moment with your spouse that you can never get back. Stop and think that you're in this moment with the one person in the world that you love and that made this commitment to love you for their entire life. Don't miss those moments. Don't miss those opportunities. It is in those moments that memories are carved in your brain that you'll have for the rest of your life. It's memories that you build your life on. It's memories that you build your love on. It happens in those little moments. It happens in the few seconds that you're together, that you share those little moments that you have. In the words that you say. Just a few seconds to say a few words. Creates these incredible memories in your mind. It's a moment that you share with your spouse. Maybe the tone that you choose to use. The choices that you make in little moments together have a huge impact in making your marriage something special. And when you're driving down the road and you hold hands and you glance at each other. In those few seconds, in those few moments. You just made a memory. You just built something on your love. You took advantage of a moment. In just those moments, you're building a lifetime of love and commitment with each other. Live in those moments. When you're sitting on the love seat and you're just together, even if it's for a few minutes, you chose, you choose to create a moment with your spouse. And it's those moments that add up, those little choices that add up. Make your marriage something special. Little decisions that you make paint a big picture of marriage. They paint this huge picture of love. Those little strokes that you make make a huge impact on your marriage. It's not about the problems or the things that you can't experience right now that make or break your marriage. It's in the little moments that you spend together. Those few moments or those few seconds that you connect and you block out everything else. You put life on hold. You pause everything, even if it's for a few seconds. And you live in that moment. This is the moment that God gave me. You can't get those seconds back. When you neglect your spouse, you can't go back and have those back. The clock keeps spinning. It just keeps turning. We just get older. Live in the moment. Live in the moment that moments that God gives you. Live in the light of eternity. This life will soon be over. You know, it ends for everybody. And all those choices that you make now, that time, those moments are gone. But it's what you do in this life. And guess what? God gives you the institution of marriage to live out the gospel every day in your life. God gives you marriage so that you can earn rewards for the next life. He gives you the moments to live in, to exemplify the principles of Scripture. 
And guess what you're doing when you're enjoying those moments and you're loving your spouse like you should? You're earning reward in heaven. God set up this wonderful institution of marriage. Not only can you enjoy being married right now, but in, that, in those moments of enjoying being married, you can earn reward in heaven. The joy that you experience in this life, the things you do in this life, we all know this. They equal the joy that you have in heaven. We don't get to heaven by being a good person, right? You get to heaven by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. But the way you live your life determines what's going to happen in heaven. And God set up marriage in such a way that you get to practice the principles of Scripture every day with your spouse. And you earn reward in heaven. Live in the light of eternity. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So God says, don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay treasures in heaven. You know, it's a wonderful thing that you can spend time with your spouse, that you can use Bible principles and live the Bible with your spouse and earn rewards in heaven by living in those moments, by making the little choice every day. I'm going to love my spouse today. I'm going to be a Christian toward my spouse. You earn reward in heaven. Live in the moments in the light of eternity. In summary, how you can enjoy the view from your marriage, number one was, understand that all things are a matter of perspective. You see things from God's perspective. You can see things from, guess what? Your spouse's perspective. Number two, accept that marriage is a journey through life. It's not about, it's not about necessarily what you're going through right now. But life is a journey and live every day like it's a journey. Number three, recognize the power of decisions, the little decisions that you make in your marriage every day. Make your marriage what it is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to be in your house and to be able to come together and to learn principles from your word, to live our lives together. And I pray that you would help us to have a love like you describe in the Bible, a love that suffereth long and is kind. I pray that our marriages would show the lie of the gospel, not only to each other, but to those around us, to our children, to those who view us, to those we interact with, those are in the circle of our people. May we influence them of the power of the gospel through the life that we live for you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.